Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Monday, August 3rd, 2020. Today's poem is by Charlotte Turner Smith, an English romantic poet and novelist who lived from 1749 to 1806. She had 10 novels published, three books of poetry, four children's books, and then she uh, is known for um, being one of the key figures that brought back uh, the English sonnet into popularity, and she also helped establish the conventions of Gothic fiction. You may know her for one of her later novels called The Old Manor House. It's a, it's a fairly famous novel um, that some of you may have read. But the poem that I'm going to read today is one of those sonnets, and it's called Huge Vapors Brood Above the Clifted Shore. It goes like this. Huge vapors brood above the clifted shore. Night o'er the ocean settles, dark and mute, save where is heard the repercussive roar of drowsy billows on the rugged foot of rocks remote, or still more distant tone of seamen in the anchored bark that tell the watch relieved, or one deep voice alone singing the hour and bidding Strike the bell. All is black shadow, but the lucid line marked by the light surf on the level sand, or where afar the ship lights faintly shine like wandering fairy fires that oft on land mislead the pilgrim. Such the dubious ray that wavering reason lends in life's long darkling way. So I'm accessing this poem at the Poetry Foundation website, and they have a little thing to learn more about this poem. And what I didn't know previously, or at least had forgotten, is that Charlotte Smith wrote this poem in 1783 while she was in debtor's prison with her husband and children. And so given that uh, bleak context in which this poem was written, the bleak context in which she was living her life at the time that this poem was written, it's not surprising that Charlotte Turner then ultimately became a key figure in both the Romantic movement uh, and in Gothic fiction. As I mentioned, Wikipedia puts it that she helped establish the conventions of Gothic fiction. And you see both the, the principles of, the romant of Romanticism and you see the principles of Gothic literature in this poem at the same time. And for that, I find it really interesting. We get these, these rich, um, dark, complicated, uh, brooding images uh, throughout the poem. Uh, a little bit of a narrative suggestion in it. And then in the end, in the final couplet, we get a, a deep philosophical line and causes you to go back and rethink the whole poem. It suggests that all those images that she's presenting are adding up to some thesis of sorts. And of course, that final clause goes like this. Such the dubious ray that wavering reason lends in life's long darkling way. But that's such, of course, it's like the word therefore, right? You got to go back and figure out what the therefore is therefore, as my teachers used to say. And as with any sonnet, we have the first eight lines, which are making one argument and then the, or presenting one set of ideas or images. And then you get a turn and those final six uh, take us in a new direction, leading us to that final couplet. And of course, in the first eight lines, in the, the first part of the poem, Smith is offering all these images that are so tied to sound 
and she does an incredible job presenting them for us. So it says that the ocean settles dark and mute, and so we get this notion of quietness, of emptiness. It says, save where has heard the repercussive roar of drowsy billows. The repercussive roar is one of my favorite little phrases, one of my favorite little word pairings in, in English poetry, because of course it's got that sort of the echoing of, of not just the alliteration between repercussive and roar, but there's also the R at the end of roar. And so the word roar itself has a repercussion to it, which I, I, th I find, um, strangely delightful. <laughs> um, and then we see that at same alliteration showing up again on the in phrase rugged foot of rocks remote. So she's crafting a really precise illustration of that, that notion of repercussiveness in s such that we don't necessarily need to hear the waves hitting the rocks the way she describes. We probably do in our imagination, but really, even if we just see them in our imagination and then we hear that alliteration, it becomes an objective correlative for us in our, in our experience of, of, the, of the image, of, of the you know, imaginative context. And then the rest of that, that first half of the poem talks about distant tones of seamen and telling the watch that's been relieved and the, in a deep voice alone, singing the hour and bidding strike the bell. There's like a, um, it, 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 there's an ominousness to it, and yet there's also a, a sort of normalcy to it. All is black shadow, the poem says, except for the lucid line marked by the light surf on the level sand and the ship lights faintly shining like wandering fairy fires. But in the end, one of the things that I like about this poem is that it doesn't tell us whether the darkness is something we, we grow into or something we grow out of, whether it's something that's um, permanent or whether it's something that um, waxes and wanes. And it may not matter. Ultimately, it may not matter. But uh, that's the, the sort of mystery that, that this poem leaves us, I think, thinking about beyond just enjoying little turns of phrase like repercussive roar or rugged foot of rocks remote. And that's, that's what, you know, memorable poetry that gets remembered for hundreds of years does. So once more, here is Huge Vapors Brood Above the Clifted Shore by Charlotte Smith. Huge vapors brood above the clifted shore. Night o'er the ocean settles, dark and mute, save where is heard the repercussive roar of drowsy billows on the rugged foot of rocks remote. Or still more distant tone of seamen in the anchored bark that tell the watch relieved. Or one deep voice alone singing the hour and bidding, strike the bell. All is black shadow, but the lucid line marked by the light surf on the level sand. Or where afar the ship lights faintly shine like wandering fairy fires that oft on land mislead the pilgrim. Such the dubious ray that wavering reason lends in life's long, darkling way. This has been The Daily Poem. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.